Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. First things first. First things first. What's the situation, the latest situation with Brother Cadell's wardrobe and where it's all ended up? We, we're leaving the Pyrenees now and we're heading for, first of all, Po and then Bordeaux. And it'll be a three and a half hour, four hour journey, something like that. But what's the latest, Brother Cadell? Um, I'm so glad your, your compassionate um, <clears throat> thoughts spread to my suitcase because it's kind of annoying not having like stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, it arrived at Poe Airport last night, just a few hours after we left Poe. So, <coughs> I may be reunited with my suitcase tonight, which is a bit annoying because I'm taking a flight tomorrow morning from Poe. So, now I've got to pay excess luggage. So, <laughs> your luggage effectively got lost the minute you flew to join us. And now we're dropping you off and saying goodbye, at least for now. And your luggage is back again. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, accurate description. Uh, I may as well have not even packed a suitcase, nor a bike nor my shoes, nor a helmet, Pants. nor a toothbrush, yep. nor anything that I... Or my com- my coffee press, that's what I miss the most. Coffee press and a bath bag, I realised, a week without a suitcase is what I missed most. Yeah. Did you uh, hang around to watch the... I can't remember. I think it was the highlights. To hit Cadell's suitcase even made it onto Gary's. No. Yeah, Gary, f- Gary finished the show. With, what did he say, Cadell? I can't remember it now off the top of my head. Um, and for those of you who are worried, Cadell has um, has got his suitcase back. It's waiting for him at Poe Airport. That's how we ended it. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. You managed to, um, yeah, Pete, you managed to wear a, a Never Strays Far t-shirt on the set the other day, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, that was smooth, on it? It was very smooth. <laughs> and I don't think Carolyn, who listens to this podcast, noticed. So that was a result. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Small um, branding. Subtle. Subtle. Very good. And it's not a commercial venture, is it? No. no. <laughs> well, Most patently ob- not. Obviously yeah. not. <laughs> 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 um yeah, so we're yeah, that we are now heading out to the Pyrenees. And we aren't selling the t shirts I was wearing on air. No, because no, they're, they're, they're sold, sold out. out. <laughs> Completely sold out. Devastrates <laughs> <laughs> far marketing. Yeah. If we even got Cadell to take a picture of us all three all three of us shirt. wearing wearing the um the, the shirts that no one can buy because they're sold out. <laughs> so uh, we're launching our marketing campaign uh, with no stock and no prospect of any stock. But David, we've got some stock coming in, haven't we? We do. Yeah, actually, it's in. It's in. So we will be announcing that in the next couple of days. So yeah, follow us. Yeah, ne- literally next couple. In fact, we'll try and do it tomorrow. And it is um, it's t-shirts because <laughs> yeah. people like t-shirts, and these are particularly nice ones. It's the same same make of t-shirt, isn't it? Great yeah. fit. Same slightly color. loose fitted but David really good on color. our climb today that was mad I'm in this I've got still got a t-shirt on yeah, yeah. Bear Man I did over an hour of sport this morning in this very t-shirt doesn't smell too bad yep. not w- grey not one single sweat mark I noticed that when me. you came that back from so your ride weird. oh it was pouring from my head yeah, pouring from is, everywhere I thought that was impossible for a I don't t-shirt. think that's got any, to be fair I don't think it's got anything to do with the t-shirt that's, ah well I think it's got a lot to do with your body being weird hang on a second oh, wait a minute what's going on ah okay Okay, we've been told. 
what we can't what drive down that dry road that everyone was driving down. Why yeah. not? I don't know. It's like for all the trucks or something. I don't. Yeah, trust in the process though, because yesterday we smashed it. Okay, but that would be slight, slightly false advertisement. A bit like what's occurring podcast actually. Why? Do you, what do you mean? Oh, what Garen Thomas? Yeah. What do you mean? Because they advertised the other day that. Um, bear with me because I'm going to get the actual photo of it up that my wife Lauren sent to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they advertise. This is your mates, Garrett Thomas and Luke Rowe. Yeah, I'm a good yeah. mate. Yeah. yeah, good mate. Yeah, but you yeah. can't. Here we go. They've been there. This is what what their tweet ends with. They've been there and done it. You won't find that anywhere else. So well, well, actually, well, <laughs> I've, Cadell I've, Evans and David Miller. I beg front. to differ because um, Cadell Evans won the uh, the Tour de France. Seven years before Garen Thomas won it, and he's um, not only that, but um, Cadell Evans bought me and David some coffees in commentary. That was wonderful. Today. Yeah. Oh, that puts me in a whole another level. That does. That was just a lovely kind of sign-off because we Ned and I sit in there. Whoa! There's a yeah. narrowly avoid uh, driving into the back. Fine. Ned and I um, sit in our little booth kind of neglected I think is the best way to describe it isn't it Ned? Over, uh, it's like a little bit of oh yeah so sometimes we feel that no one's listening to us or, or, or kind of has yeah neglected is exactly the right word I don't know why I'm trying to improve on it no. the Perfect. ironic thing is millions are listening to you hmm. except for the people who matter most like the one who <laughs> needs to bring you a chair or a bottle of water or, <laughs> or a coffee when we're a little bit tired it is quite funny actually because normally it's just our commentary position is rigged with two chairs which um, quite often they're, they're kind of like office chairs from the 1980s and sometimes they Way spontaneously collapse um, but there's no a bit, but, like the, a bit like the office itself <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. but often often we'll have either Pete or Cadell in commentary and Matt you know, obviously takes over for a bit during the day as well. And there'll be three commentators. But the third commentator, you know, the, the, for example, the, the, the first ever British winner of a stage on the uh, finished on the Alpe d'Huez or, 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 or the, the man who won the, both the World Championships and the Tour de France, both of which are reasonably important bike, bike races. Um, the third commentator will just stand there looking vaguely around at me and David and then will be sent out to go and get their own chair. Yeah. And the chair that they have to sit in are like camping chairs from um, B&Q or Wix that someone bought in about 1998 and they're still part of the... I mean, literally, those chairs have been on the Tour de France for as long as I've been on the Tour de France as on the ITV team. So, yeah, it's a remarkably threadbare um, uh, uh, production, really. But this is your final day, Brother Cadell. Um, unfortunately, I'm quite sad about all this, like leaving the Brotherhood well. I know I'm not leaving the brotherhood. That stays forever. But I'm you physically can't, you can't ever leave. Going outside of the, you know, I can't ever leave. That's that's Hotel California. It's like the Masons, <laughs> or the Masons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like the Masons actually. My granddad was part of the Masons. <clears throat> Isn't there quite a Masonic scene in the Isle of Man? I don't, oh, he's from Liverpool originally, but right. my grand has the, all this jewelry that like folds out into secret Mason symbols and stuff. Mad. You should wear that on the set. <laughs> <laughs> Along with your yeah, earrings, like rings that <laughs> rings that flip round, and like necklaces that are a ball, and then it's just got this little button, and it'll just like pile out into some mad like I don't know symbol. No, but yeah, it's great. That is and they have it. They have the handshake that my grand told me about that no one knows unless you're part of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, who's this? Which, re- which relative of yours? My your? my granddad. Is your granddad still with us? He's not still with us, no. Oh, okay. So, so you, gra- otherwise you would have literally just outed him because you oh, know, yeah, you're true. not supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a pastor, yeah. Can we talk about... Um, the hay bales? No. Oh, yeah, hay bales. 
They're yeah. beauties, aren't they? Pete? They're wonderful. Nice Proper shredded wheat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my four-year-old loves hay bales. Yeah, yeah. Pete does too. He loves hay bales. <laughs> um, so this morning, so actually, hopefully, um, people who are listening to this who watch ITV highlights will have seen Pete and my little. Uh, uh, 360. Yeah. yeah. I I hope so. Oh, I really hope so because yeah. that ruined your day, didn't it? Well, I really enjoyed the experience working with you, Dave. That's the first time we've done that. That was type yeah. Of we were television. Like we were pros. Left to our own devices. It to was great. But peace. It took a lot of effort and a lot of time, and we're just hoping it makes a highlight show, aren't we? Uh, I I haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the feature, obviously, and I'd love to hear the the, the story of behind the making of it soon yeah, but I, what i have seen is i've seen your little intro and your outro yeah, yeah. that you filmed with john tonetti on a proper camera have oh, you seen it i've seen it and what i love about it is actually i've only sorry i've only seen the intro what i love about it is you're standing side by side on your on your bromptons and you say this you know david says something pete says something and david sort of rounds it off because he's in the lead presenter sort of role. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you but then he, david says something like well let's go let's go and you both ride out of the shot oh yeah which i absolutely love so tell me tell me with the outro did you ride into the shot as if you just completed oh it? yeah 100%. oh yeah. that's and, mint yeah and like looking like completely perfect like we hadn't ridden the mountain obviously because we hadn't we did a bit of acting though yeah. oh that's good yeah did a bit of acting that's so good i was like <laughs> but well <laughs> david <laughs> but the, the best thing was so we set off. Oh, by the way, we're using the Chapter Three trans transit shoes. The clipping. It's the prototypes. Is that they called transit shoes? Transit shoes. Yeah, very good. They're very good um, for transiting. So it's a good little test. But we set off, and you know we hadn't really looked at anything, had we, Pete? No. Oh, no. Ha oh, <laughs> no. How, how how unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so we roll out, and we get to the kind of the village where the climb starts, and like, okay, I fired up the the camera, did a little sinking clap, and it's like, let's go. So we start, and we start doing our little spiel we're at the bottom of the climb. Here he goes, starts here, and then all of a sudden we're going downhill. <laughs> and we do like 500 meters, and we're like, we've been talking no, this no, whole time, like, haven't we? Like fully convincing, like, oh, you know, it starts downhill, it's going to be a really fast start to so the climb. the profile oh, in the road book is a little deceptive. A little deceptive, yeah. a little bit deceiving. Yeah. Yeah. And then I see a sign for the tourmalet, and I'm like, oh, I think we're going back towards the tourmalet <laughs> so we're literally doing the doing the going down the hill that's bleeding up to it so then we stopped and started again <clears throat> but then we're about about two k's into it and pete goes we're not doing the whole thing are we <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of the point pete yeah imagine <laughs> just doing the first well just do the first two kilometers and then stop and go well that's the first two kilometers back to you gary in the studio <laughs> i thought we were just going to pretend but how can we pretend? Because yeah. it's like you have to show the K's to go and yeah. the finish. Yeah, true. But and like the hardest part of the climb is five we just K's to go. to come back <laughs> after it. <laughs> but anyway, may as well have done because you stopped with five K's to go. Yeah, just under. Just like five hundred meters attack. I couldn't pedal yeah. any. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do so it. I couldn't do it. But taking into account in the first few Ks, you just rode off from No, me. I was flying. <laughs> Pete. The crowd, the atmosphere. The first <laughs> the first time I've been on my bike in months, I had the tuck position going. Left David behind. I was like, is he all right? Like, I thought it was a good <laughs> shape. I'm just behind shaking my head. Just going, I know what's going to happen. Oh. Out the saddle I was for about a K, like Contador. <laughs> I feel so good. <laughs> I, feel, I, I think so. Your words. I feel so strong, <laughs> like talky, talky strong, talky strong. <laughs> and then, how long before you weren't strong, Pete? Mm, when we hit ten k to go, so we'd done five, six kilometers of the climb. Oh, it kicked up. 
like, <laughs> I mean, quite aggressively, doesn't it? <laughs> then I was like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> but I was, I was loving it. The fans, honestly, the fans, though, they were great, weren't they, David? <laughs> yeah, they were really good. So Marcel Kittle spotted you climbing. Marcel Kittle, I spotted this on Instagram afterwards, and he kind of tagged me and tagged Pete as well. And he's way, uh, well, I guess he's, because he says, he puts a little hashtag, too pro to wave. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, so, Marcel. so Marcel's shouting our names and waving at us and we're just ignoring <laughs> was he on the side of the road yeah he was but on the switchback he's quite recognisable as well he's really tall that blonde. shows how focused we were though we're in the zone <laughs> in the zone but then anyway we get to 5k's to go and Pete's dropping off and I'm looking behind and he's doing the postman zigzagging and, I, and he's like just go just go on your own and I was like, okay. So we had to do a little segment, kind of where I had bit to more acting. Of, had to leave Pete behind, right, not for me. And saying he was overgeared. <laughs> my, my gears are broke. <laughs> yeah. We, no, is that what you, is no, he didn't, no, say, he didn't that say that because the bike worked perfectly. Right. Okay. No, but I, it, it, I mean, it wasn't weren't lying. The problem with your gears. We had exactly the same gear, but it was just the, the gear was too big for you because you weren't strong enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were overgeared. <laughs> On the leg, couldn't do yeah. it. So anyway, <laughs> so hopefully it comes out. Yeah. Just to see my head. In this extra small oh, pot helmet. That was the other no bit. No wonder I couldn't breathe. Wait, that was the other bit I loved as well. In that section 10k to go where it kind of slowed down. Like a fan hands you a bottle of water <laughs> and you kind of take it. I mean, we're like 15 minutes into the effort here. <laughs> and it's and he's like handing me the bottle. Like, like you need like it. Bartley and Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, I like, he's, David, David. <laughs> he's had like three quarters of it. He's like left me a kind of like a token amount. And I'm just like... I don't even need water. <laughs> it's like we're at the end of a stage. I was so in the moment, wasn't I? Partly a copy. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I'm going to have to get them to send that from London so I can see that feature. Yeah. Absolutely love to see that. Yeah, well done, boys. Well yeah. done. No, so, good. Yeah. But that, so we get, did have a lot of insights then for the actual bike race. Oh, well, that was useful reconnaissance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good bike race. <laughs> wow, wasn't it? Well, that one that we've just heard about sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I, like, I, I always knew I was a Pog fan, but today I really knew. It's yeah. very hard in commentary to remain neutral. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, because there is, I mean, t outside of Jonas's direct, I'm sure Jonas is a lovely bloke. I've absolutely no doubt about that. But outside of Denmark and his immediate family and, and weird people who support specific cycling teams, which is just a weird thing to do anyway. <laughs> but Jumbo Visma fans, because they probably exist, which is such an <laughs> odd thing to do. But um, outside of them, you've got to back Pog, haven't you? I mean, just yeah. emotionally, it's an emotional response to the way he races. And it's quite difficult not to reflect that a little bit in your commentary because it's so exciting to watch him. Mm. 
Flag drops, Christian Prudhomme, big day out for him actually, because later on the day he's got to stop by the side of the roads and allow Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, who's just been elected for a very unusual second term in office, and he's been battling a country which has been in uproar and riot for days and days and days. He's dropped in, he's dropped in on the on the Tour de France. And um, so it's a big day for Christian Prudhomme. But the first thing he had to do today, probably not the first thing, probably the first thing he had to do was go to breakfast in his B&B hotel, eat a croissant, drink some of that absolutely shocking coffee, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, go back up to his room and brush his teeth if he'd remembered his toothpaste and hadn't picked up some dental uh, fixative instead. Um, after he'd done that, though, and got to the start, one of the most important things he had to do was to wave off the départ of stage six um, at kilometre zero, which he did uh, immaculately, as you'd expect from erudite and urbane and wonderful man like Christian Prudhomme. And don't you know, by the way, when they went over the souvenir Jacques Godet today at the top of the Tourmalet, it's worth noting that Jacques Godet was the second of five ever directors of the Tour de France, ever in 120 years. Henri Desgranges, Jacques, uh, Jacques Godet, Félix Leviton, Jean-Marie Leblanc, and Christian Prudhomme, who has now been in office since 2007, which is a chunk of time, isn't it? 16 years he's been the director of the Tour de France already, and he'll be probably doing it for another 10 or 15 years. I should progress this story a little, because we haven't even waved the race <laughs> off. <laughs> Flag drops. Who attacks? Wout. Who's on his wheel? Julien. Amazing. Here we go. Wout hits out again, rips this bunch clear, and guess who comes across? Mathieu van der Poel, obviously. He's in the move again as well, and he just sh shoots to the front of this group that's forming, and uh, Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert just almost drop everybody else on the flat. Mihail Kwiatkowski, two, three bike lengths open up to him, and he has to close the gap. They're so strong, those two. But it teases out this um, really, really impressive a uh, group of 20 riders f featuring Nielsen Paulus. Good ride from him. He eventually gets across in a counter-attack. Um, and that group goes, goes clear. The slight difference from yesterday's 36-rider group with Jai Hindley and Giulio Ciccone is that there's no GC threats. Uh, that should be said. So it's a slightly different situation on today's uh, on today's parkour. But it then becomes obvious that Wout van Aert is um, only in it in the services of Jonas Vingegaard. He is almost... Um, He's almost riding in this 20-rider group. And David, you can chip in with this if you want. Um, or anyone. In fact, I don't know why I just singled you out. Brother David, brother Cadell. Well, I think he's, he's almost riding as if there aren't 19 riders with him. It's yeah. just, he's he's just been sent up the road. Yeah, and kind of the tactic became clear as it went. It didn't become completely clear until he hit the Aspen, where Bora Hansgrove obviously controlling the peloton. Yep. Uh, had it kind of at a nice gap. Three minutes, no big threats up the road. Yep. When Jumbo Visma has come to the front on the Aspen, and start lifting the pace. Yep. But at the same time, Wout van Aert's at the front lifting the lifting pace. Lifting the pace. So it's Jumbo Visma against Jumbo Visma. Christophe Laporte versus Wout van Aert. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. But then they did what <laughs> UAE did on stage two, where they went hard on the climb, then eased off again on the descent. As if to just make everyone suffer on the climb. Let's not waste our resources. Yep. Let's take it easy. Give it back to Bora Hansgrohe. Yep. But then that kind of sent a sort of a, a little message around everybody. Uh-oh. I think they're going to go yep. on the tourmalade. Yep. And so then it kind of became clear that Wout van Aert was completely indifferent to everybody in the group that he was with. Yep. That his only mission was to get over the tourmalade ahead of Jonas Vingegaard. Uh, it was such an honest ride from Wout van Aert. Not once did he flick his elbow or suggest that anybody else worked. He was just in a race of his own. They're quite incredible. Um, hits the tourmalade, as you say. Bora Hansgrohe then on the front. They've let the gap go out to about five minutes. And we're thinking for the first... So what is the Tormelay? 17 kilometer climb, something like that? We're thinking for the first three or four K, 
with Bora still riding, we're thinking, why did why aren't Jumbo Visma doing what they did? Why aren't they seeing this tactic through? And that seemed a bit of a head scratcher at the time. And then, sure enough, we didn't actually see it happen because we were at the front of the race with the cameras. But we suddenly noticed the time gap starting to come down fast, and then it cut back to Moto Two. And yes, woof, yellow and black jerseys all over the front of the bunch. Christophe Laporte doing his thing, and off we go again. And then that tactic that we saw developing on the Aspen came to its fulfilment at, towards the top of the Tourmalet. And even before any of that, with Jumbo Visma riding, we caught this fascinating little glimpse of Tade Pogacar riding up to the yellow jersey Jai Hindley and Hindley smiling back to him and those two riders um, having a chat. And uh, it, it, who knows what that chat was about, but it was an indication that Tade Pogacar was super relaxed and back to his usual kind of self. And in the grand scheme of things, knowing how we do now, how it played out, I think that was quite significant. Maybe, you know? Rover Cadeau? Um, well, and well, then there was the Tourmalet. Yeah. And then that was a moment where also, well, now we're going to get to like, the first attack and the second attack, or well, well, take it wherever you want. Never stray as far. It's got zero structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, it, it was this sense of um, Jumbo Visma trying to drop Tadej Pogacar on the tourmalet, trying to do what they did yesterday. Yeah. Does anyone else think that the tourmalet, usually a long climb like that, especially when you commentate, and can seem to go on forever? Yeah. Does anyone else just feel like it flew by? Absolutely flew by, didn't it? Yeah. Flew by. It yeah. wasn't ever a point like, oh, there's still eight k to go. Yeah. There was so, so all much of a sudden, there was three k to go. Yeah. It wasn't just a kind yeah. of. A, a tempo yeah. up there it was kind of and i think because we were playing out all these different scenarios in our head yeah it kind of there's a lot to talk about normally there's not much to talk if, about yeah if, yeah okay but yeah. we were kind of trying to predict a thousand different things which mm. was fun even if and it, then it did eventually happen and when you, it was kelderman uh it was kelderman that made the first time and the then big, it was the big one, yeah, and then there was the only on his wheel sep curse mm-hmm. uh Gore and taddy pogacha immediately and Jai for a brief moment. Brief wasn't moment. It? Then yeah. he nuked. Yeah. But then Sip it was a turn and there was yeah. only two. Yeah, and then when Vingegaard went, I'm absolutely convinced they were absolutely convinced that Tali Pogacar would be immediately dropped when Vingegaard attacked. Because he went so hard and he took it all the way to Summit. With And we heard on the radio, and this is, I think, is a grave error wherever it happened on the Tourmalade because it's always delayed. The director saying to uh, Jonas Vingegaard, You've got Tadi Pogacar isn't looking good or something like that. Or you've got, what did he say? Got him on the ropes. You've got, got him on, on the ropes. ropes yeah. mm. Never once did it look like Tadi Pogacar was on the ropes. Not today, no. Total fib. Total fib, which, because Jonas Vingar will have believed that, obviously, because he's not watching on TV. He can't see. <laughs> Didn't even look around. Didn't even look around because he's just listening to his director and also playing out what happened yesterday. Yeah. And meanwhile, and he didn't look around once and Tadi Pogacar was just sitting there noodling. <laughs> like yeah, like with just calm as a cucumber. Like you say, David, if you have the information from the director saying Pogacar's easy on your wheel, okay, you don't want to hear that. But no. sometimes you need the truth in order yeah. to stop your effort, yeah. save your energy. Mm. Because, because it was just at five k to go, something might go wrong. And in many ways, it was a complete role reversal of the yeah, Galibier, Galibier last year, where Jumbo Visma again sort of launched a, a kind of a, a wave of attacks on Pogacar and Pogacar reacted and just went sat on the front thinking he could drop or put Vingegaard under pressure. Vingegaard just sat there noodling, calm, and let him just burn all the matches. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened today. The whole day was a role reversal in yeah. terms of teams, wasn't it? And how they've how they've ridden so far this in this race. 
Over the top of the uh, Tourmalet, there was an interesting moment when they hit the descent and Van Aert was still a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes? No, it's only a minute. A minute. Less than a minute. Now, less than a minute. A minute up the road and kind of easing up to allow Vingegaard to get across him. But Vingegaard hit the descent absolutely flying and Pogaccio went, woo. And um, uh, that was an interesting moment because had they continued with that tactic, that might put Pogaccio under real pressure. They were never going to drop Pogaccio. It's like Pogaccio could see that Vingegaard was just in an all-out race-winning move and kind of understood, he's not going to drop me, but he's actually on the edge now. He was really, Vingegaard was kind of racing as if he was off the front on his own, going for the stage run at the bottom of the climb. Full berserk. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All nuts. this work, all this work, and it's just played into Pog's hands because all of a sudden he's gone from being the guy who was apparently on the ropes to was like, I'm in command now. And then old Pog does a really old school bluff. <clears throat> and I'm now now I know what's happened in the stage. I mentioned it in commentary at the time. Now I'm convinced of it. Um, the moto bike came alongside Pogaccia on the flat off the descent. And uh, Pogaccia knew that he was on the telly. And he made a big play uh, out of taking his left hand. I'm off not convinced. I'm, totally, I'm, I'm totally not, convinced. I'm not convinced. Because it's like either. it doesn't make a difference to anyone that his wrist is a bit yeah. sore. Because you don't... It's not going to affect them up the final I I'm totally convinced. If Jumbo Visma think in the car that they've, you know, that Pogacar's weak and they're telling Jonas this, and then the, you know, your, uh, your, uh, Jonas's wrist is hurting. No, I don't think so. Because he's been doing that. He was doing that in the Basque Country as well. And it's as Pete uh, then said, if you've had an injury like that right. and it's tight, you're just always kind of after the efforts, just loosening it up. It's kind of you can sell. It's not an issue. I say what, what was more of a bluff was when the camera was on his face and he was pulling the kind of grimacing. Well, that, well, he couldn't even do that properly because no, he's, he he's, he's just he's smiling. Totally so funny, isn't he? He was smiling. I know. Like, it's like really rubbish grimacing. He just made him look like but, totally, oh, police, police, police. Yeah, police. totally relaxed. But can you remember at last year on that Granon stage where they did the same to him and he smiled at the camera? Yeah. Yeah, so he did the opposite. He tried not to smile. But yeah, well, really but it was a rubbish. It. it was a rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, Whilst we're going into Pogaccia, did you guys hear his post-race interview? Brilliant, it brilliant. Was brilliant. So yeah. good, wasn't so it? Good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was really good. He was so much more uh, coherent than Jonas. Was completely empty. Like you look in the yeah. when he crossed the line. Well, it was a chastening. <clears throat> it was a chastening day of racing for him. Oh, for him. Uh, really everyone worked. looked absolutely exhausted. Yeah. And then yeah, Pog got up and he was. Uh, you could see a glimmer <laughs> of his smile and his but, but normal self. Cadell, like you said, coherent. To even think about Mark Cavendish and coming for his wins Mate, after that, it's, yeah. and uh, having a joke. That, it's that like was funny. But what was interesting in the interview as well, Pete, was the fact that he was kind of he was actually scared on the tourmalade that Vingegaard was going to do the same as yesterday and drop him completely. And and he's, uh, he actually said in the interview, if that happened, and he was going to pack, oh, did, pack, yeah. we'd all pack our bags and go home. Yeah. yeah. So he was, and so that's what he was coming to the stage really defensive, kind of a little bit chastened himself from yeah. yesterday. So he was coming in with a very different Tadej Pogacar attitude, which mm. normally we've never seen from him, which but, played out perfectly. And, 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 and in typical pop style, I got lucky, my legs were good. Um, I've had a bit of luck in cycling, but I've never had enough luck to get me over three coals and then drop the best climber in the world to win a stage of the Tour de France and take the yellow jersey. Yeah. There's a little bit more than luck. Do you think you'll so learn much from this stage, Cadell? Um, in well, terms I'm of thinking we're talking role reversals. It could possibly be another role reversal now. We're going to see the Pog of old attacking left and right. Jonas going back to his old, <clears throat> following calmly behind and <clears throat> guys undoing Pog. Can I just say... We're pa really interestingly, we're passing an airfield. Can you see that? Yeah. There are, there are these, I've read about this. This is stacked, this airfield, with redundant A380s, Airbuses. You know, the massive double-deckers. Um, because they, they are not a successful airplane commercially. 
and a lot of fleets have bought them have actually uh, like um, torn up their leases and uh, over there they don't know what to do with them and they're all just parked there should we get an NSF on? on hey should we get an NSF on on the cheap yeah <laughs> you imagine <laughs> how cool up. would that be we Did could like, have sell? our own apartments in there one airport <laughs> in the far east a few years ago sold a jumbo jet for like a, a pound or something because an airline had just parked it up there gone bust and had stopped paying their kind of parking fees and they didn't know what to do with it so they sold it for a quid for someone to come and pick up and you know scrap free it. up some, yeah. yeah I've read about that yeah just as yeah someone near Toulouse Cadell's like Google Earthing it now so it's not on air it's just a yeah they just so don't know what yeah. to do so you're playing graveyard because one of the planes took off before and from behind it was a strange looking aeroplane it was like of course it's not a Concorde but it looked like one from behind yeah Concorde well, that's strange yeah. strange looking aeroplane that I don't recognise yeah anyway back to the race um so <laughs> so Pogaccia so David you and me are going so this is this is this is a different pog. This is a super calibrating pog, very conservative pog, defensive where pog. Take you you said he's just going to sit on the wheel and just pump him, take four bonus seconds. I on was him. convinced of this. Yeah, well, and just set. as we were articulating this, I'm glad you thought the same. Just as we were articulating this thought, two point eight kilometers to go from the top. Bang! But the point is, Ned and David and Cadell, seeing they're all in the car together doing a podcast. All the brothers, <laughs> all the brothers. I also think Vinegar was convinced of this at this point. And that's why he caught him so off guard. Yeah. He, he honestly, it was like he caught him sleeping when yeah. he made that attack. Yeah. I think by that point, Vingo realised that it hadn't worked. The plan, because he, he was still believing. It. I mean, hats off to him for still being one hundred percent committed. Because the moment Walt Van Aert, after his what hundred and fifty kilometer pull, kind of swung off and came to a, almost fell off his bike. A screeching halt. Yeah. Like a, a spectator jumped out and pushed yeah. him because he thought he was going to fall over. Vingegaard went again and immediately Pogacar was on him. But Vingegaard just kept going, still basing it off yesterday. Mm. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think Vingegaard was just absolutely destroyed, kind of like, oh no, this has not worked. Please don't attack me. Please don't attack me. Please don't attack me. And I think that's what Pogacar realised. Well, we're getting overtaken by... A lot of police convoy. Uh, I'm guessing but I don't know it's Macron here. making an evacuation from the tour finish. He Did tends to take a heli- he takes oh, a helicopter, the- doesn't he? Yeah, he goes by air. I don't <laughs> He'll be fumbling around at no. the next payage trying to get his ticket. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why they all got blue lights and not in a rush, but in a rush? Well, just that, well, that's how they roll. They'll be presidential guard, probably, or just the gendarmes on the road yeah. on the on the Here Tour de France. There, the, okay. Are they coming past? Take that back. A bit of a he gets helicoptered back. He's already he's already at home having his dinner, yeah. watching the telly. Think so, yeah. Um, uh, and that was that. But I, when do you think I'm asking Ned? 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 Before we should highlight James Shaw. Yeah, James Shaw I, and James Shaw and James Shaw first. James uh, Shaw. Um, James Shaw. It, well, a, a phenomenal rider. I mean, out climbing his teammates. Although you know, in D- Nielsen Paulus's defence, Paulus has done an awful lot, hasn't he, over the the opening week of racing. But James Shaw. Uh, I don't know how much the story to retell because I'm sure you'll have, you'll, have, you'll you know the story by now. You'll have seen the highlights and whatever. But um, I've followed his career quite closely. Started off at Lotto Sudal as a out and out domestique. Um, He's one of the Dave Rayner riders who went to Joss and Tim's place in um, in in Belgium and, and got himself a ride with Lotto Sudal. I think he was there there for a couple of years, wasn't he, Pete? Maybe not more than that. Yeah, I raced against him, I think, when he was on, on Lotto. Yeah, didn't get his... You know, and he was used riding on the front when uh, they'd signed Andre Greipel. That was it. That, that was his job. That was yeah. literally his job. 
Um, and he did it pretty well, as far as I remember, but didn't get his contract renewed and nobody else came He always came across as if he was just at Lotto a bit unmotivated or undriven. Whether it was him who felt like that or maybe he was just that was his job was making him feel like that. I remember talking but to... But he was just always a bit like casual and... I yeah, mean, he maybe. Is quite he's a very laid-back guy. He is a very laid-back guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it shows he's not because of... I think I'm right in saying... a lot saying, of passion to come back from the British scene and do what he's doing now. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying that when he arrived as a junior in Belgium, um, he entered a, a junior race. You know, there's all sorts of mad junior races, aren't there, all the time in Belgium. And he entered with huge pelotons. He entered a Belgian one-day one day junior race uh, that had a peloton of over 300. And he won it. <laughs> and it was, I think I think I may I may have misremembered this. It was his first junior race in Belgium, and that was when Lotto Sudal went. Okay, keep him on our radar, and they you know they took him on eventually. Um, but then he lost his gig at World Tour, and then he dropped back to sort of continental level, so racing crits in the Tour Series and stuff in, in the UK, and got picked up after a couple of really impressive displays for Colin Sturgis's team. Um, I can't remember the name. Did, we of the Did I mention this on the pod a couple of days ago? That he actually he WhatsApped JV and said, "Can I, I get a ride?" No, you didn't you, mention no, that. No, I, mean, I don't know, thought I did, but yeah, apparently that's I how that's how it happened. This, I don't know where you said. Maybe it, we were just sorry. chatting about it, Cadell, in the in the office. But did he? Apparently, that's how he got the contract. Yeah. Fair play. And this is his second year with EF, isn't it? Sent an instant message on Instagram or something, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. That's oh. what you told me. Yeah. That's what I remember. Well, so, yeah, it was but, yeah, along but, those lines. But he's completely fun. reinvented but himself he is, as a rider. I mean, he was up there in the final in the British National Champs on that punchy, you know, very, very different kind of climbing, obviously, um, this year. And I noticed him at the Dauphiné. He was the last rider in the Dauphiné in the high mountains with Richard Carapaz. So he's, wow. cl- he's turned himself into a climber, an, an elite climber. It's hugely impressive. He finished fifth. And he's just messaged me to oh. say he's going to, later on today... And I hope in time for editing the pod, he's going to send us what a, legend. a little voice note um, oh. that we'll include at the end of the podcast. And we might also hear from Fred Wright. But I'm just saying might, because they may not arrive in time. If they don't, we'll put it in tomorrow's pod. And well, because also he did a great interview at the end. And I just really liked it. That was a great it. interview a on a, it. Bought almost, a, not quite a tear to my eye, but it, yeah. <laughs> right. there was a bit of humidity uh, in my eyelid region. Key um, moments here on the transfer. Sorry to interrupt, Cadell. We're just pulling up at a payage again. And if you listen to our um, podcast the other day, our little gizmo doesn't work, does it? So, oh, that's a, it oh, it's just pulling a ticket. So that's okay. We're through that one. Um, but he said, yeah, don't, kids, don't ever give up on your dreams. Yeah. Because they do come true. And I thought, well, this is awesome because the story really like what you've just retold. And then here he is at the front of the Tour de France. And he was with the best two climbers in the world on the last climb of a hard mountain stage in the first week of the Tour. I say how I said this in commentary. How mad must it have been in your first Tour de France, being on the wheel of Tadej Pogacar and Jonas Vingegaard <laughs> at the end of a mountain stage? <laughs> I mean, you'd feel like you're on TV. You'd be kind of well, you are on TV, obviously. Literally, but for actually, it was quite interesting it. to see what what was different, like what he's doing differently now at EF compared to yeah, yeah. There is a lot of structure within that team now. I know they go on a lot of altitude training camps and yeah, yeah. so forth. So maybe it's just. Wasn't supported enough back in the lot of days, and now he's obviously realising his full potential. Yeah, maybe they weren't interested enough in what he, you know. Yeah, just left to his own devices yeah. a bit. Yeah, so what do we do with a kid like that? Just stick him on the front. Yeah. You know, whereas actually there's a whole different rider lurking within that's now been discovered. So fair play to the team at um, EF for giving him that. Yes, um, when was the last time 
at the Tour de France, or indeed other stage races, if you can think about it, that we saw such a swift reversal of fortunes between the two big favourites. One day this, the next day that. Or if Floyd Landis. No. <laughs> oh, don't say that, David. That was. <laughs> and we're always doing the same That's stage this year to uh, Morzine. Yeah, oh, yeah, Morzine, yeah. About yeah. Ulrich and Armstrong Tussier. that day when he yeah. came back. Ulrich and Armstrong. Was was again, Juplan. Possibly yeah. an yeah, Juplan, yeah. yeah. Well, I took some risks on that downhill. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to cut into that deficit. But it's not often in that recent happens. times. No, no it really doesn't really happen that often, does it? And that's why that's why the unexpected is the, uh, the heart of the sporting spectacle, isn't it? But I also think that's the reason Jumbo Visma applied that tactic, because it never happens. Never happens. And totally it's unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yeah, there you go. Now, Cadell's been winding me up a little bit today, low key, because brother Cadell is a really he's not a wind up merchant at all. I've discovered that. No. He's the opposite of a wind-up merchant. Someone's phone is interfering a little bit. I don't know where it is. Um, oh, big time. Sorry about that. That's a lot of phone interference there. Not much I can do about it. I'll just have to battle through and hopefully it'll stop in a second. Um, Cadell, yeah, you've been winding me up a little bit, just gently poking me about my use of the word unprecedented. Explain. Um, oh, well, I feel, I feel I've um, been over-thrashing my... Um, dear, I, I, I don't dare mention it again because poor... Peter Kenyak is going to go crazy if I say one more time. How far are we away from the lost luggage at Power Airport? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to go there? Oh, no, to, yeah. I haven't gave it a second thought since so, I mentioned it on day two, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought someone has mentioned nearly as many times the word unprecedented as I've mentioned lost suitcase. And that's me. And so that just gave me a bit of you know, self-reassurance that maybe yeah. I'm not exaggerating as much as I really it am and I'm exaggerating too much and I probably shouldn't mention it anymore. I learned that actually when I first did this gig that you you're with each other all day, yeah. and then you listen to each other commentate, and then we do a podcast, and then we do a podcast, <laughs> and it's like and then we I've go got to the, dinner together. I've yeah. got probably one of the smallest vocabularies. Ned and David have got huge ones, but you do repeat the same word. Like it's no getting away from it. Yeah, well, yeah, because you, yours used to be on one year it was alluded to a lot and terminal velocity. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's true. I haven't used that in a while. Alluded good to, one. Yeah. alluded to. Nice. It's good words. It's easy to remember. Yeah, like, you you use what, in the commentary, commentary box, used to say like, it a lot. Yeah. I can see the terminal velocity thing. Yeah, that's yeah, you used to say lazy habit. Alluded to. Alluded to. Right, right. Or what David likes. David alluded to. David committed. David and David also likes dream scenario. Dream scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the lead out one. What is it? If in doubt, lead out. Tour to de force. Yeah, peel off. Tour de force. That's a new one, actually. <laughs> yeah. Peel offs. Yeah. yeah. But we've only got a few. We use a lot of words off. every day, don't we? Yeah. yeah but so it's unpre- quite hard I didn't realise I say unprecedented a lot. Well, it's, which is kind of ironic because if it's un- if you use it a lot, then it's not unprecedented. Uh, exactly. Well, we had this discussion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm overusing the word pre- unprecedented, which is in itself kind of Bernard, philosophically no, oxymoronic. Yeah, we can no longer say Ooh. that Wout Van Aert, what he's doing is unprecedented because... It's pre- he's, he's, he's precedent he does it nearly every day at the tour. It's just Wout Van So you could drop it in when he gets dropped on the next day. You're right. Oh, this is absolutely unprecedented. Wout Van Aert has reached terminal velocity and is going out the back. I was eulogising a little bit about Wat Van Aert in commentary today because I think it is unprecedented and exceptional. (laughs) 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 I do, I genuinely do. And I've made this argument before, so, you know, but a few people on social media taking issue with, you know, me saying, and I think maybe I didn't explain myself well enough, but for the the, um, benefit of just clarity, I said in his own way, what Wat Van Aert 
is doing at the Tour de France is unprecedented is, and is some of the greatest is one of the greatest rides at the Tour de France and he's there's never been a rider like him I think that's what I said there's never been a, li- a rider like him and people are, are, are atting me and saying what about Bernardino what about Eddie Merckx and yes there's no I do understand enough about the sport to realise that those riders, specifically Eddie Merckx and also Bernardino, won a lot of bike races, five tours and world championships, da da da. That I'm not disputing for a second, but please do understand the key difference is that none of those riders would have ever, ever done a ride like Wat Van Aert did yesterday and today. That's the key difference. And in the services in of the, And I don't think mate. there's ever been another rider like him who does no. that, who is a winner in his own right. And I don't think you can compare the modern era to anything pre-2000. The sport's so fundamentally different. Oh, although, it's different. David, yeah. although Pogacar invites those comparisons. That's the weird thing. Yes, true. In, Pogacar justifiably invites those comparisons. Yes. Which is really hard to kind of understand, isn't it? Because mm. he's just doing things differently. Yeah. Um, okay, I take that back. No, well, you're right and wrong at the same time okay. because that's life, isn't it? It's not clear cut. Yeah. yeah, no. And also, what have we learned between this podcast tonight and the podcast on the Obisque yesterday, where we were basically writing the epitaph of the Pogacar era at the mm, Tour de yeah, France? Yeah, we never write Tade off. Good that's one lord, thing. how wrong I did, were we? I did say it was a fickle sport on on the Obisque. Mm. It is a fickle sport, Pete. That's one thing I've learned over my years being involved with cycling. Fickle. Very fickle. Fickle. It's not the only thing you learned. Then the moment. The only thing you can be sure <laughs> is that anything will happen and anything does happen. Nice. That's why you don't predict. You can't predict the future. <laughs> that's what. That's <laughs> kind of what makes it so interesting because yeah. it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Bike yeah. racing, man. Yeah. 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 I literally, I had one person actually on Twitter on the internet having a little go that about what we were saying in commentary about like basically our job is to have an opinion on the bike race it's like oh, well, we, we, if you don't do that then basically what, well, we don't talk pl- play by play i could we could go into our shells a little bit and just say we could do like painting my numbers commentary and just like at that final group we could just repeat endlessly van art one vingegaard two pogacha three mm. james Shaw four and then just call it oh it's actually a podcast po- podcast listener okay to be fair so Oh, Harry, Harry, Harry um, Patterson. Name and shame. Name and shame. No, Didn't don't shame. no, it's shame not, no, there's no shame. Anyone. It's a he, 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 yeah. Hen- oh, Henry, sorry. Henry said, it, I love this race. But he was saying, I didn't I see that coming. Too. I love your podcast Nor and your commentaries. But it's worth noting that no one ever knows exactly what's going to happen. That's what David says. That's today, Pogaccio was David a great ride today that no one saw coming. So... Yeah. Yeah, not negative. Well, I, it's just I don't. What, no, that's not but negative. That, at all. But that's not negative at all. No. no, no. But I'm just trying to understand the tweet. That's all. Okay. Yeah, no one saw it coming clearly because our entire podcast yesterday was about how it couldn't. You didn't see it coming. coming. Yeah, I see guess coming. my point is, it's it, you never know what's coming, but you can only try and commentate <laughs> on it, can't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But good point, though. It was yeah. It was a it was a beautiful day of racing today, and and also. Guys, how well is this race poised now? Oh, it's great, isn't it? So we've got the drama of the two stages to come. I think tomorrow will be a bunch of sprints. It is literally a two-horse race now, though. Yeah. It's gone back to uh, like where like, we were before. It was always going to be, though, wasn't it? It was always well, going to be. It wasn't always going to be. Well, now it definitely is. I know. There was an Aussie who put their foot in there, put their put their hand up to be part poor of Jai. it. Yeah, poor Jai. Yeah, poor Jai. Poor Jai. Jai, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's like mm, it's tough. But, that, but he's it? but he's looking solid for he's that. In, yeah, he's best, got yeah. best of the best of the rest. What's he got? Um, Cadell about a minute thirty over fourth place. Uh, Simon Yates. Yeah, one thirty. Like f- 
Ah, yeah, yeah, because it's a bit of a gap between him and the, and Simon. Yeah, haven't got. But the, the group, like from fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, that's all very congested, isn't it? That's uh, really tight. Yeah, yeah. Then there's some. Um, so. Yeah, two, two on three minutes, and yeah, all yeah, the results yeah. in front of me. And I don't want to turn on my phone because it upsets the. It does. Yeah. <clears throat> upsets me. But it, oh, it's still, it's still a long way, and it is only as I'm so glad you repeated today in your commentary. Well done, Ned Bolting, professional commentator, very experienced at this. It is only day six, but looking at the riders' faces crossing the line today, it looked like day twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can just like briefly <clears throat> summarise the stage, Walt Bennett on the like it looked like he was motor basing the director's car, and then he just followed it when it went away at kilometre zero and he had like five classics favourites on his wheel and they sort of formed the first breakaway. I love it. We're yeah. going back to the beginning again. Yeah, but just to summarise briefly, but just <laughs> that quality of group in front means just to keep them within four minutes, they've got to ride faster behind. And then the climbers team start. It was like before it got to the mount, it was a hard stage on paper, but it was mm. really hard just before it got hard. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? No, it does. So, so it we're really hard before... They got to the got, climb, It was hard and then, and then it, it got t- harder. Yeah. So yeah. with it already looking like stage 20 all over the riders' faces, what does that mean for the 100 and whatever kilometres before the sprint tomorrow? Lots of breakaways. Oh, uh, tomorrow. So yeah. Are we going to see another now. roll along? Is there many climbs? Yeah. Or? Oh, don't That's know. what I'm worrying about. I don't think so. Worried How can about. there be? Where do they start? No, I don't think there is. Where do they start tomorrow? Is it Dax? <laughs> Dax, they start. And <laughs> So no. All our I'm papers are in our bags. But it finishes in, in Bordeaux, so it's the classic sprinter yeah. stage. Isn't it? There's still so many sprinters who believe they can win. You've got Alps and De Koenig, obviously, with Philipson. You've got Lotto Destiny, Sudar Quickstep, who are doing nothing, although I don't know how Jakobsen's doing. Mm, Astana, like, Obs. Yeah, Jakobsen's having yes. a hard time after his crash. But they just, like, listening to Tom Steele's the other day, they mm. just can't seem to get together on the mm. in the final. Yeah. Oh, well, last time it finished in Bordeaux, I think, was it 2010? It was the day before a rest day, the second rest day. I think I'm, I think I'm right in saying this. And um, it doesn't come to Bordeaux very often. Weird, that, isn't it? It used to back had, in the day. Yeah, I thought it was, it was one of the most occasions. visited. 84 occasions. Only yeah, Paris but, but in, has had more absolutely, tour finishes. But in recent years, good start. it doesn't really come Carp to Bordeaux. Carp won a lot in Bordeaux. Why is his name... Screaming at me when I think of Bordeaux. I think he might have won in Bordeaux. I don't know. Because I've, I've, I've so I feel like I've heard an in, interview with him t- talking possible. about the sprint. Or well, Gary Imlac came up with some brilliant stats about because Cavendish has won 34 stages at the Tour de France about all the different towns and the region and the département that he's won in, and also the days of July. You know, so like there's there's only about three or four days in July in which he hasn't won a stage at the Tour de France in terms of the dates. That's almost as good. It's a good stat as the stat we got from James, our director, about he'd read or he'd seen Lequipe, and he was just sharing it because it had been Lequipe gave this ridiculously useless stat that the sixth stage of oh. the Tour de France has been the definitive GCD stage five times. So, uh, can you remember the dates? 1916, 1920, yeah. 81 was 1914. Yeah. I think it was the first, 81? Yeah, yeah. 69? 69, yeah. 69, Eddie Merckx? 1981. And 81, yeah. And 81. It was the so most recent. I'm pretty sure every stage. single stage in the Tour has had five or six definitive moments. Well, I can guarantee that stage six in 2023 wasn't. That's about as useful of information as <laughs> yeah. the stat that you've just heard. It's got as a chocolate fire guard yeah. type commentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cadell, yeah. yeah. it's been real. It's been unreal, unreal. It's been quite unreal, actually. Sitting in a hot tub with you, 
um, <laughs> after dinner last night, looking at the stars and uh, yeah, we went through. You, me, and Pete went for a hot tub, didn't we? That was oh, I've, funny. People think you know you go to the Tour de France and it's great and nice hotels and this. And as a rider, you sometimes stay in these places. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> do people do people actually pay money to stay in these places? Well, obviously someone does because we're staying there. But then you come here, you come back. As a, as a rider, I'm speaking about. <clears throat> people ask, oh, do you admire the scenery? And they say, you don't see anything because you're just looking out to avoid crashes and who, which wheels you have to follow. And <laughs> now I come back in this with this perspective, it's just been fantastic. Yeah. Did you pinch yourself when you were in the hot tub with Ned Bolting and Pete Kenya? It must have been amazing for you. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> do you think this is a, this is it? Don't know if I pinched myself, but um, but it was. Pretty amazing. You know, you know what, what really caught me off guard, though, and it's not quite as sorry as like when I took a photo and the because the hot part, hot, hot part, the hot tub was red, mm. and by the time my shutter went because it was dark, it was green. I was like, hang on a sec, what's going on here? It was a, it was a fancy hot oh, tub, the, wasn't the it? The lights changed colours. Yeah, you? we went through three entire bubble cycles. <laughs> Uh, so I, th I reckon we were in there for an hour. We did the cold plunge as well. We did fantastic the cold host. You got into you got into breakfast this morning, and it was just like this spread of food. Like there was only us staying in the hotel, and there was food there for a hundred. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, we've had a really good forty-eight hours. In fact, could I, I would go further, and I would say, ever since our posh meal in Bilbao, oh, just just got better, didn't it? It's just got better. It's been a champagne tour so far, stage six. Total Which means tour. one thing. And one thing only. Oh, don't tell it. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. thank you, Brother Cadell. Thank you, Brother Cadell. Thank, thank you, you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for those who are listening. It's been just a heap of fun for me. I'm, I'm going home because that was just what the plan was. And like like Lotto Jumbo, Jumbo did today, even if the plan seems ridiculous, just stick, stick with the plan because <laughs> <laughs> the flights are booked and whatever, whatever. <laughs> You've got no choice. And we're about to drop you at Poe Airport, kick you out of the car. <laughs> and because the Lost Luggage closes at 10 o'clock and I wouldn't mind seeing my suitcase and bike and shoes and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Cadell gets the last word. Actually, he doesn't because I've just done the last word. Damn. <laughs> Thank you, brothers. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.